this ride is just insane! Oh! We're gonna go 165 feet in the air. We're gonna drop down 180 feet, like an 85 degree angle. You ready? I hate this you, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. I had that last week, actually. Coast in the country. With Marcus Lashock. From WGN TV studios in Chicago, this is Coast in the Country. I am Marcus Lashock. Welcome to episode 14 of the podcast. Can you believe it? It's episode 14. I cannot believe it. This is where we run down everything that is happening in the theme park world, tell you about all the great places you can travel to across the country, and just have some good old-fashioned family fun. Today, we are heading to a galaxy far, far away. Yes. If that company lawyer-approved knockoff music doesn't give you a hint, we are talking Star Wars again today. I'm sorry. You guys who don't like Star Wars are probably like, dude, stop talking about Star Wars. You already dedicated an entire episode to this. But I have to because I finally visited Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Walt Disney World. If you are a viewer, I'm going to turn that off. If you are a viewer of the uh, WGN Morning News here in Chicago, you saw me. uh, I was live out there on the show on the day that the new Rise of the Resistance attraction opened out there. It was awesome. We're going to talk all about that in just a little bit about that ride and just what that whole experience was like. It's crazy. But our sports anchor, Pat Tomasulo, I got to give a special shout out to him because he tagged along with me and he and I spent a few days down at Disney experiencing uh, a lot of stuff down there. We did all kinds of cool stuff. We went to Epcot also. We checked out the uh, Skyliner, the new Sky Ride that takes you in between Epcot and Hollywood Studios. And uh, I got to get him in a van with... The Disney was great. They were really great for us, and we were doing a lot of TV there and doing a lot of live reporting and things for TV, but I also got to get some downtime, and I got to drag him on a couple of other things. We went on Avatar Flight of Passage, and that blew his mind, as well as Mike D'Angelo, our photographer. That ride's incredible if you've not been on it. We also went on Tower of Terror. He had never been on that. Got a little video of him on Tower of Terror, which was pretty funny. We had a good time in between all the work that we were doing out there, but really... We were there to spend a ton of time at uh, Galaxy's Edge. So on this episode of the show, I thought we'd really get into some of the things that we saw there. I know many of you likely planning Disney trips for the spring. Maybe you're going with the family in the spring. You're going next summer. So what should you do when you go to Galaxy's Edge? How much time do you need to spend there? What should you see when you're there? What should you skip when you're there? What should you eat? What the heck is this place even all about? What is going on? Everybody's talking about it. So I hope I'm going to answer many of those questions for you today. We've got so much to talk about. So let's go ahead and get into it. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
This is the official theme music of Galaxy's Edge. You know you're the real deal when you can hire John Williams to compose music, not for your entire theme park, just for one land at your theme park. <laughs> so that's what this is. It. This what this is. We're talking about the Star Wars land located in Disney's Hollywood Studios. This is at Walt Disney World where we were. This is in the back of the park, in the back of Hollywood Studios. And you can enter Galaxy's Edge from a few different points. And when you walk in, you kind of walk through this tunnel, sort of this underground-looking tunnel. And you go on a little bit of a longer path where there isn't much to see. It's got this really neat effect because by the time you turn a corner and you see the landscape and everything that is entailed in Galaxy's Edge, everything that they've created, to me as a Star Wars fan, it kind of takes your breath away at first. And you hear this music kind of pumping in from places, your different music, and it's like, whoa. It really takes you inside a Star Wars world which is really cool. The structures are absolutely massive. It's basically as close as you will ever get to walking onto the set of a Star Wars movie. So where are you when you're at Galaxy's Edge? You are on a new planet they've created. It's called Batu, And you are walking into the Black Spire Outpost. This used to be a thriving stop for travelers running trade routes. But then hyperspace travel was invented. And uh, places like Black Spire are getting passed over by all the people in the galaxy. So now Black Spire is like this place for people who don't want to be found. You know, the smugglers, the rogue traders, adventurers who are on a mission, but I don't want anybody to know that I'm here. So I'm in the outpost, kind of hanging out. Resistance fighters, too. You'd go to somewhere like Batu and the Black Spire to regroup when you're taking on the First Order. So that's kind of what, that, that, that's what that's all about. We're going to get to that in a second. But it, the reason I bring this up, and you might think, like, who cares about this store? I'm going to a theme park. You know, I want to eat a bunch of junk food, and I want to ride a bunch of rides. That's not what it, it's, That's not what Galaxy's Edge is all about. It's important to know the story if you really want to get everything out of this place. Disney, they invested a lot of time and care into bringing this new world to life. As you walk around this outpost... You're going to run into all kinds of characters. Some of them will be familiar to you. Uh, Stormtroopers, Ray from the new Star Wars series. You've got Chewbacca. You've got R2-D2. But every cast member here, outside of them even, just the, the workers at Disney, the cast members, they all have a story. At one point, I was standing, uh, I was standing around waiting for something, and uh, somebody was sweeping... They were sweeping or doing something. I, I can't remember, but they said hello. So I said, oh, hello back. And how's it going? And instead of just saying, hey, you know, it's good. It's a little, you know, it's a little cold. It's not as hot as it normally would be. This person just went into this whole story about who they were, where they were traveling to in the galaxy, how they ended up in the outpost. Every It seemed like everybody had a story. And I'm not sure if Disney works with them to craft those narratives, but that's the really fun part about the land. And the more you talk to people that are working there, the cast members, the the more adventure you can go on while you're in Galaxy's Edge. And at first you might you might be thinking like, really, do I really want to do that? I just want to go and enjoy my time. You can do that. You can just pass through. But I'm telling you, if you want to get the full effect, you got to interact with the people that are there. And uh, all that continues too with the Disney Parks Play app. There's a game 
built into that app and also a translating device in there. So you're going to see the Starworks uh, Arabesh language, I think it's called, all over Galaxy's Edge, all over the walls, uh, coasters, if you're in the cantina, other places. And you can open up your app and put the app in front of that text and it will translate it from the Star Wars language into English. It's fun. It's a it's a fun thing, and it can lead you down different paths again and different things to do there. Um, so again, I just want to stress, and this was something that was really stressed to me and something that um, I really learned while I was there, is that this is not um, your ordinary theme park land. This is not a place that you walk into, ride a few things, and then just leave. You Again, you can do that. I suspect a lot of the people who are walking out of Galaxy's Edge unimpressed, um, underwhelmed, that's what they're doing. You really need to spend time there to get the full Star Wars experience. So we're going to get into the rides in a second, but just what I appreciated most about Galaxy's Edge was all the care to detail, the interacting with the cast members, things happen at different times in different areas. There was no schedule. So if you were paying attention, for example, if you were paying attention to the opening day of Rise of the Resistance, all the media that was there, you know, I was there for the big debut night. They had a little party there that night, and they had these drones that came up that looked like X-Wings, which was cool. And I was in that part of the park kind of waiting for the drones to come back up again. But at the same time, there's this other, like, um, land speeder repair area all of a sudden, Ray and Kylo Ren broke out into this lightsaber duel. I'll put it on WGNTV.com slash coast in the post for this episode. And it was this incredible choreographed lightsaber duel that they had with pyrotechnics and all kinds of stuff. Did not tell us this is going to happen at this time at this place. It just happened. And that's the sort of thing that they are stressing with this, is that as you walk around and spend time in Galaxy's Edge, other things will happen. You'll run into stormtroopers who talk to you and boss you around. You might turn a corner and Kylo Ren's there with some stormtroopers. And Kylo Ren will talk to you and talk to other people and go through his whole spiel about everything that he's doing. So um, at one point, even we were near uh, Rise of the Resistance, we ran into Chewbacca was there with Ray, And it's, it's, they weren't just standing there, right? They're, they're doing something. He had a bunch of tools, and they're going to fix something that was broken. It was fun because you feel like you're stumbling into a scene from a movie or something. It was pretty cool, and I think this is what makes Galaxy's Edge super special um, because, it, like I was saying, when you walk around other parts of theme parks or other parts of Disney even, you see characters from the movies. The characters are there, but usually the characters are just standing there. There's a line of people. They're each waiting to take their picture. That's not the case. That's not the case here. And I thought that was really, really great how they did that. But, but again, um, don't just wait to talk to the characters that you know. Don't wait to just, just, just see Chewbacca. Interact with all the cast members everywhere. Get to know the lingo. You don't say hello at Galaxy's Edge. You say, um, oh, gosh, I'm going to screw it up. Is it Bright Suns? I think you say Bright Suns. Bright Suns is hello, not Rising Suns. Or is it Rising Suns? It's one of them. But if you get it wrong, they'll correct you, as you'll see on our uh, as you see on our WGN segment I did with Pat as we were kind of goofing around Galaxy's Edge. But uh, you don't say goodbye either. Goodbye is uh, till the spire. Till the spire. That means goodbye. It sounds dumb, but when you spend enough time there, it's kind of fun after a while. 
You're like, yeah, this is a good time. You're leaving. We were saying bright suns to each other for, I would say, a good week or so after we left the place. It was, it was a lot of fun. So let's go ahead and talk about the uh, signature element of Galaxy's Edge. I'm talking about the Millennium Falcon. The Millennium Falcon, man. I was lucky enough to enter Galaxy's Edge before anybody else was there. It was about like 6 a.m. Eastern time, 5 a.m. Maybe it was like 4.30, 4.30 or 5 a.m. Central time, so about 5 a.m. Eastern time. And no guests were in the park yet. And uh, I put a post, a photo of this on my Instagram account. Just me and a life-size version of the Millennium Falcon. The level of detail on the Falcon is phenomenal. And if you hang around long enough, just, just hang around the Millennium Falcon. Like, don't go to Galaxy's Edge in a rush, all right? If you're a Star Wars person, go there and just sit there for a while and take it all in. Wait for other people to be walking around, different characters and that. But you will see, if you hang around long enough, lots of different things happen on the Millennium Falcon. Little puffs of smoke come out in different places. Little things light up. Little noises happens. And that gets me... Sorry, I'm going to go on a bunch of tangents today. The sound... The sound is one of the most important elements of Galaxy's Edge. The sound design in this place. You you can't you can't understand it when you're watching videos online or videos on TV. You'll be walking down a path here and you will hear a spaceship flying over your head from one part of the sky to the other. But of course there is no spaceship in the sky. But the speakers that they have are hidden in such a way around the land it makes you feel like you're standing in a surround sound dolby theater outside it's awesome i cannot stress how crazy cool the sound is at galaxy's edge so anyway um go see the millennium falcon in the morning go see it at night they've got an awesome lighting package on it all of galaxy's edge got a really cool lighting package but we rode the new ride millennium falcon smugglers run You've probably seen this. Uh, I'll post a video of it, too, on WGNTV.com slash coast, and you get to board the cockpit of the ship. You're assigned a role. You get to either be a pilot that flies the ship up or down. You can also be a pilot that flies the ship side to side. You can be one of the gunners who's shooting things, or you can be an engineer in the back of the plane who's fixing the ship after the pilots mess it all up. But we were lucky enough to pick what we wanted to do, and, of course, uh, I wanted to fly it. You know, I wanted, I wanted to fly it. And so we were the pilots. We were pretty darn good pilots, if you ask me. We were pretty darn good. Uh, and it was a lot of fun to fly the ship. It was a lot of fun. There were times where I forgot I had a job to do, and I just got wrapped up in everything that was happening on the screen in front of me until the engineers in the back started yelling at me to pull up, pull up. <laughs> but to me, that's one downside of the ride is I would not want to get stuck on the ship with absolutely horrible pilots. It could make the experience extraordinarily frustrating. So pray that you get a great pilot or a decent pilot. Um, The average standby wait when we were there was about 70 minutes. So about an hour or so to get on it. And then as you wait on the ride, you're like sort of snaking around the life-size Millennium Falcon that's out there into different areas. So they really uh, went above and beyond with the detail and the queue to to make it as enjoyable as possible to wait the time that you're waiting but our wait really wasn't that bad and you can see our ride up on the website as i mentioned wgntv.com slash coasting if you would like to check that out 
So yeah, also near the Millennium Falcon is Oga's Cantina. This is Batu's version of the cantina we all know and love on uh, Tatooine in the original Star Wars movie. You know the you know the cantina scene. It's got to have they got to have a cantina at Galaxy's Edge. So we went and checked that out. And what I was surprised is how many people were in line to get in there. People really wanted to be in the cantina and so you got to make a reservation if you plan on doing it. Like just uh, talk to your Disney planner if you're planning it yourself or talk to your Disney planner. Just make sure you say, I want to go to the cantina. Make sure they get your reservation. Um, a lot of people have been asking me, is the cantina really worth it? I've heard it's mixed. You know, is it really worth it? But I'll say this to you. Uh, we sat in a booth at the cantina and if I did it again, I would stand at the bar in the bar area of the cantina. And you might think you want to sit in the booth because we all remember the scene in the movie with Han shooting first in the booth. Did he shoot first? Did he not shoot first? But I will say that when when we were in the booth, I kind of felt like we were tucked away to the side. And a lot of the craziness, the rowdiness, the fun that was being had at the cantina was happening kind of across the room. And you're sort of sitting down lower, so I couldn't really see a lot of the action that was happening. Um, they've got some really fun adult drinks there that I'd recommend. The Fuzzy Tauntaun is my pick that you got to get. It's got this foam on the top of it, and the foam um, makes your mouth tingle as you drink it. It was really funny because we got it, and, you know, every, everybody's in character. So the servers are in character. So the server's like, I ordered the Fuzzy Tauntaun. The server's like, just so you know, this has some uh, negative reaction with some earthlings that might uh, do some things to your mouth. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I get the fuzzy tauntaun, and uh, we start drinking it. Pat and I look drinking a drink, look at each other. We're like, does, does, does this do anything to you? He's like, no. Does this do anything to you? I'm like, no, not at all. And then about 30, 40 seconds later, it hits, <laughs> it hits you, and it's fun. You know, it goes away after a little while, but your mouth is kind of numb. It's kind of tingling. It's just a fun little trick. There was another drink there. I can't remember what it was called that somebody ordered that came out to the table and it was like bubbling profusely in the glass like it was alive. It was just, it was really neat to be in there. And the music you're listening to this. This is their music for the cantina, for Ogus Cantina. So you're in the place that you got the drinks coming, music like this is bumping and people are going, hey, hey. It was fun, and I think you have a, let me see if I wrote this down, a 45-minute max in the cantina, I believe, is what you have there. So, again, take that time. Take that time, budget that time, and really have fun in there. Um, I think that this would probably be more fun if you have adults, because these drinks, as I'm, the drinks that I mentioned are alcoholic drinks. So I think it would be, if you have really little, little kids, they might get bored in the cantina. But if you have older kids, adults who can appreciate some of the Star Wars movies and that kind of vibe, uh, I think you'll like it. I think I liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I wish we could have had time to stay there more and really interact with the bartenders and everything that was happening in the cantina. We didn't have time. But if I went back, I definitely would knock out, carve out an hour of my day to spend in the cantina. But let's talk about some of the other food and drinks at Galaxy's Edge. So luckily enough, I was able to eat a lot of the food that is served there um, as kind of samples of the different food that is in Galaxy's Edge. And uh, I'll give you two things to eat and two things that I would skip. So first, I'm going to start with the good stuff. All right, you ready? 
So you're going to find the first item is at the Black Spire Outpost Market. That's kind of where all the food is at Rondo Roasters. This is the food area where you're going to, you've probably seen it if you've done a lot of digging into so this is where the droid, the droid is cooking meats with a giant pod racer engine. It's hard to miss. Like you can't really miss it. And even if you're not going to eat anything, you've got to check out the pod racer engine. It's awesome. It's huge. And, you know, it's cooking the meat, supposedly. But it's fun. It's really fun to look at. Um, so what do I suggest ordering here? The Ronto Wrap. It is uh, roasted pork and grilled sausage. What am I saying? Yeah, roasted. This is, I took this from their website to get the description right. Roasted pork and grilled sausage with peppercorn sauce and tangy slaw wrapped in a pita. It's an interesting combination. So it's kind of like a hot dog. It's not a super thick sausage. It's kind of like a, a hot dog with a lot of spice flavor in it. Pork hot dog. And so you got the peppercorn sauce, so that's a little bit spicy. But then this tangy slaw, which is a little bit sweet, um, it's good. I'm not trying to eat a lot of carbs these days either. I'm trying to cut back on that. But um, the pita was interesting, and it was good. It made the whole combination pretty interesting. But um, and sometimes when you're walking around, when you're doing so much walking, you just want something that's going to fill you up. And some of the other things that I had like were good, but I felt like I was still hungry after I ate it. So when I ate all the bread from the pita, uh, it kind of filled me up, which kept me going, which was good. And it was a, it was a unique combination that you wouldn't see in a theme park necessarily. So I recommend it. I like that one. The other thing I'll recommend is at uh, Cat Saka's Kettle is what it's called. It's in the market, Cat Saka's Kettle, and they have a popcorn mix there. You'll see it. They're usually standing around with samples of it throughout the day. It's kind of purpley. It's kind of red. And uh, it's got a slightly sweet and a slightly slightly spicy flavor of popcorn mixed together. So it's not really spicy. When I say spicy, it's not spicy like it's going to burn your mouth. But it's just got a more of a savory, more of a sweet flavor to it. And the colors are really fun. It's got a uh, really nice texture to it. They call it Outpost Mix Popcorn. So you can check that out there. Um, all right, so now two things that I would skip. Uh, I'm going to start at the Ronto Roaster again. Yeah, we'll start there. And the jerky. Um, so they have this sweet, jer- sweet, sweet Nuna turkey jerky and a spicy Nuna turkey jerky. I'm from Chicago, right? And got a lot of family in Wisconsin. We got the best jerky anywhere around. I would put the Midwest jerky up against anything. So this jerky, it just didn't really hold up for me. I would skip it. Wasn't necessarily bad. Wasn't terrible. Just not good enough for me to spend my hard-earned Batu credits on it. So I would skip the jerky. You might be at the space meet and say, like, oh, I want some space meat. I'm going to get this jerky. I would skip that. And this will probably be the most controversial thing I'm going to say today. Are you ready? I was disappointed with the blue milk. I said it. That's right. I didn't like it. I didn't, it's not like I didn't like it, but I was like, really? This is it? Uh, it's a big part of Star Wars lore. If, if, you, if you know blue milk, what I'm talking about. I'm not sure how to describe the creamy flavor of what they've created here. It's a, they're called, it's a plant-based blend of coconut and rice milk. I just feel like it would have been better if it was all coconut or they went all rice milk with like a horchata kind of route with it. But it's, I 
just was kind of flat or something. Like, I don't know what, I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't bad. It wasn't horrible. But when you see it, you're like, oh, I got to try that. And then you try it and it's like, hmm, I don't know. So I, it, look, it's cool looking. You'll get your photo for the gram if you end up getting one of them. But uh, it just doesn't have like a butterbeer wow flavor to it. Am I allowed to mention butterbeer? Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. But anyway, let's let's move on. All right, finally, one more thing to talk about. The biggest attraction Disney has ever built. We're talking about Rise of the Resistance. So everything has a story at Galaxy's Edge. This ride is, I don't even call it a ride. I call it an attraction, okay? Incredibly story-driven. The most story-driven attraction I've ever been on. Easily. Um, what I love, and first, I'm going to start first at the outside of the attraction. All right? There's no giant sign that says Rise of the Resistance. If there weren't tiny little signs throughout the place leading you in the direction of the attraction, you would not know it is there. And for how big this thing is, it takes place in a massive building. They've hidden the building. With the design of the mountains, the trees and everything at um, Galaxy's Edge, in Batu, at the Black Spire Outpost, you can't see the building. It's incredibly impressive. So what you do is you check in, you walk through the queue. So you go, you go into the entrance when you find it, you walk through the queue, which goes from outside into this kind of rock formation. There's some tunnels, there's a waterfall, and then you just keep moving into what feels like more and more underground. And basically what you're doing is you're joining the resistance here. The resistance that's fighting the first order. You were ushered into this waiting room. That's where you see BB-8 for the first time. He's doing some work until a hologram ray pops up and she explains the mission. So basically the mission of this attraction is Finn, also from Star Wars, has infiltrated a star destroyer and things aren't safe on Batu anymore. You've got to get out of Batu. So they've arranged these transports to take you, the new resistance fighter, elsewhere. So you're going to leave. You walk out of that waiting room where Ray was talking to you, and you board one of those transports. And that transport takes off. It moves enough where you don't have to be strapped in. You're standing up in it, right? But it's definitely moving. And you have these monitors on both sides. And it feels like you are heading into space until... You are suddenly captured by the First Order and that Star Destroyer I was talking about. So you get kind of sucked in to the Star Destroyer and you walk out the same door that you walked in. So you were outside when you walked in this door, but when you walk out that same door, you are inside a Star Destroyer. So if you don't want to know how they do that, pause this for the next minute. But bait, bait, or skip forward in the next minute, I should say. But what they're doing is it's on a turntable. These different, these different compartments that you're in are on a turntable. And so you're turning. You feel like you're flying in space, but you're really just turning kind of slowly. And then as it turns, you get off into a different building from where you got on it. it is, it's a ride in itself. But the moment you get off the transport onto the Star Destroyer, you go on my Instagram, you can see pictures I took. You've seen the pictures everywhere if you've been following this. 
It is just massive. Just that took my breath away. A couple things. The Millennium Falcon and that moment was just a wow. A wow moment. One of the cool things, too, each time, I, I don't know, I probably went on it about 12 times or something. Lucky, lucky me. But when we went on it, um, you notice something different each time in that room. For example, on one side of the room, there's a TIE fighter on the wall, like a, like a big TIE fighter. And on the other side, the other TIE fighter is gone. And when you look straight ahead out into space, you can see that TIE fighter out flying in space. Little details like that are just, once you pick up on them, and when you look at all the stormtroopers that are there waiting for you, a couple of them move every once in a while. It's this eerie kind of feeling. Like, is there a person in there? Is there not a person in there? What's going on? Um, it was so great. And there's tons of fun things that happen uh, as you get off onto the Star Destroyer into the next part of the ride as well. Interactions with cast members who are kind of telling you where to go into what rooms. They're all in character. Everybody's in character. Um before you board these cars and attempt to escape the Star Destroyer. I'm going to give you some advice, too, right now. Do not watch any of the full point-of-view videos that are on YouTube before you ride the ride. Save it for the ride. Please save it for the ride. It just will make the experience so much better. And I will tell you this, because a lot of people ask me, like, can I take my eight-year-old on this? Like, how intense is it? It's not the most intense attraction. There is... A slight drop at one point. It is nowhere near the drop that Tower of Terror is, in my opinion. Um, but the scale of the ride, all the moving parts are absolutely insane. So many things have to happen at just the right moment for all this to work. And there, if you've been following along, there have been some hiccups at the launch because there's going to be. There's a lot of wireless technology. There's a lot, a lot of different moving things going on all at the same time so it is just it sounds like they've been running it as good as it could possibly run and it's just an incredible achievement in technology innovation storytelling it's it's mind-blowing that they were able to one think of all this and say can you execute it and the team there said yeah and they did it's just absolutely wild so as i mentioned pat tamasula and i were two of the first people to ride this thing we did a first reaction to it afterwards and i want to give you pats especially because i i go to a lot of theme parks he does not so um it was fun for me to ride this thing with him uh for the first time here was his reaction to not just rise of the resistance but also uh galaxy's edge i have not been to an amusement park in a solid 20 years <laughs> So what was I your, think 20 years. What was your first of all, what's your impression of walking into Galaxy's Edge? Man, not much has changed in 20 years. <laughs> it's kind of the same. No, it's amazing. Yeah. It really is like walking on to like the coolest movie set imaginable. Yeah. Right? Like this is probably better than some movie studio quality materials, it I has would to bet, be. right? Because this has to stand forever, unlike movie sets that get broken down. But it is like walking into a Star Wars movie. It's pretty the, pretty crazy. The land opened, Smuggler's Run opened, and then they've been working on this, getting this thing ready. And you can really see when you go on the ride why it took so long to yeah. put this together. Because there's really like, I don't know, two or three rides in one in this big yeah. giant experience that you have. So what was your takeaway of... I mean, because I'm obviously the guy who goes on a lot of theme park yeah. attractions, but what was your takeaway going on this and everything that you experienced on it? Well, the one thing, I liked that it was a complete narrative. Like, there was a beginning and a middle and an end, which was cool. Yeah, it told the total whole story. 
story. And what also was remarkable was how many elements of production are involved. So you have, you know, not giving too much away, but you have the moving ride attraction of it. Yeah. You have the audiovisual, you have the animatronics, you have just set pieces that move, you move. And a lot of it was very surprising. Like, I didn't know which way we were going, where things were coming from. It really is a pretty immersive experience. And this is what places like Disney, I think, do really well, is they could have easily just had those vehicles that you're in, which by now, if if you don't want any spoilers spoilers about this, then you should probably stop listening, but everyone's been talking about this, but they have these these vehicles that are trackless vehicles that go throughout the... They could have easily just, you walk in the entrance, and then you walk onto the car. Yeah. But they didn't do that. No, it's a solid... What is it? It's 10 minutes before you even get on the ride. Yeah, so that was just a small portion of our conversation. I was talking so fast. I was very excited. I think my, my heart was going 100 beats a second just because 100 beats a second would be crazy, 100 beats a minute. But I, um, man, I was waiting a long time to go there, and a lot of it was overwhelming to me to see Chewbacca, to see the Millennium Falcon, to have an experience like that on a ride, to go inside the world of Star Wars. And um, I know that a lot of people are complaining about Disney taking over Star Wars and the direction they've taken the franchise. And if they never did that, we wouldn't have experiences like this. So, and and I'm not here to, to just tell you that everything's great. Disney's amazing. They're the best. That's not what I'm saying. It's just... It was, it's just an incredible, it's, it's an achievement in like human, you know, ingenuity, just people figuring out, like dreaming something up in their mind and then figuring out how to make that happen. It's such a Walt Disney thing. When you watch the story of Walt Disney doing things that people thought are impossible. And even now people are complaining about rides of the resistance. See, it doesn't work. Oh, making a ride that doesn't work. So people said about Disneyland when it opened. And that was kind of a train wreck the first day that it opened. But that didn't stop somebody like Walt Disney from dreaming bigger, you know? And they've done that with this, man. They've done that with this, and it makes me excited to see what other kinds of attractions they might add to this land in the future, uh, assuming they have the space to do it. I've not mapped that out, but... um, if you go, you can see the full video of Pat and I reacting to it in our initial discussion on the WGN News YouTube account. You can check that out there. Also, um, gosh, I was just going to say something and I forgot. I'm so blown away by it still, thinking about it, that it was really, really great. And uh, yeah, so who knows what kind of attractions they might add in the future. And I know we talked a little bit when we were there. We got a little bit more information about the Star Wars hotel that they are building, a resort. It's not really a hotel. It's this it, It's this insane experience they are building. They have broke ground on it now. And basically, you will stay for two nights on board a ship that's in space. So once you board on this thing, all your windows in your room are monitors looking out in space. And so you're on this thing. You're sleeping on it. You're eating on it. You're doing everything there. And then you get to, if you want, you can take some excursions. They'll take you to Galaxy's Edge, to Batu, to go there and explore the marketplace before you head back to your room. It sounds absolutely insane. 
like this insane immersive experience where you're actually sleeping in the Star Wars world. But the one thing that everybody's kind of on edge about is just what is that experience going to cost? And is the average person going to be able to experience that or not? There's been a lot of rumors about how expensive it will be, but let's wait to see until they actually figure it out to see if there's something that, um, I don't know. We'll see if there's different tiers of pricing or what that's going to be. But um, from the way they're describing it, it sounds like a very, very, very wild experience that will not be cheap. Um, And so let's talk a little bit about money and uh, the merchandise that's there. We did not get a chance. We were so packed with our schedule. We did not get a chance to build a droid or to build a lightsaber at Galaxy's Edge. But um, a little message for parents, if you're going, you are going to spend money here. If your kids are Star Wars fans, you're going to spend money here. And it's hard to resist. It's even hard for me to resist when you see all these kids, grown kids like myself, but you're walking around, you see all these people playing with these droids that they built there. And they're awesome. They got this little area where the droids can kind of race around, interact with each other. And people were everywhere with these big white boxes with the droids in them. They cost a hundred bucks each, but you get to go through the whole process and pick out the different parts, the colors, everything you want for your own droid. You can also build your own lightsaber. I didn't see the experience of doing that, but People told me, people show me their finished product, and I can say easily it was the most solid and sturdy lightsaber I've ever held. And it's no, it's not a real lightsaber, right, where you could cut somebody's arm off with the thing. But um, it's pretty darn close to feeling like one. I'll tell you that. And it, you know, the light comes out of it, and they cost over $200, just over $200. So it's not cheap. So these are the things that you might want to as a family sort of budget and think about before you go like, Hey, what do you want to do? I mean, maybe you have a lot of disposable income. That's great, but some people don't. So you might have to make a choice. Like we either want a droid or we want a lightsaber, figure out what those costs and just know that going in that that's the plan to me as a parent, like you always want to have a plan. So like, Hey, we talked about this. This is what we're going to do. And there's some other things too, besides those two things. Um, the pork puppets I thought were really cool. Um, and I think those are about 50 bucks. So definitely look into that before you go, figure out exactly what you want to buy and be prepared and budget for that. That's my financial tip for you. So you even get financial information on this podcast. And boy, oh boy, I talked a lot this episode. I did. And I probably talked way too fast. Um, but we're getting a lot of stuff done here before the holidays. And I, I'm glad I got a chance to get in the studio to get this to you because I just want to give you some helpful information if you plan on taking a trip to Disney World and to Galaxy's Edge. Um, but I really want to hear from you all, Star Wars fans, theme park fans, people in Florida who listen to this. Maybe you've been to Galaxy's Edge a lot. There's a lot of different hidden things that you found. Just what's your overall impression of the place once you go? What do you think about what Disney has created here? I would love to hear from you. Hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, just at Marcus Lashock. That's where you can find me. And I want to thank Pat Tomasulo for coming down with me. You all know I love theme parks. I know that you love theme parks, too, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. I just love bringing people who aren't necessarily theme park people into this world for the first time. I feel like I'm experiencing the theme park world for the first time all over again. Do you feel that? You feel that when you take somebody somewhere for the first time where you've already been there 
it just feels like you're doing it all again for the first time. And I don't know that Pat really, um, as you heard him say a little bit earlier, knew what he was going to see when he got there or how into the whole Disney experience he would be. But by the time we left, I would say he was definitely more interested about what this whole theme park enthusiast hobby is all about. He was texting me. He went home one night before I did. So he's texting me, what's going on at the event? Did the drones go up? Give me all the scoop. He was genuinely interested. Like, wow, he sucked in. But big thanks to him. And you can follow him everywhere at at Pat Tomasulo. Him and I did a really fun little video around Galaxy's Edge where I was kind of showing him around and checking everything out. It was it was a good time. You can see that all at, up at WGNTV.com slash coasting. But I look forward to hearing from all of you about your Galaxy's Edge thoughts. We're going to be going on a holiday break here, but I will be back in the new year. All kinds of theme park and family travel news for you. But for now, push down, pull up on your lap bars. I'm Marcus Lashock. Peace out.